Do you shop on Amazon.com? Of course you do. You can now support the Midwest Podcast Network while doing so. Go to Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com and a very small percentage of your purchase will go towards making our network and its content even better. That's Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Bookmark it today. totally join and watch all of the movies if you did an earnest fight the franchise <laughs> oh for sure <laughs> what yeah fucking good that would be really I like good. that the only one that really fits earnest, in is earnest, earnest rides stupid, again though. was i watched earnest, earnest that your favorite again. oh my god yeah. yeah i can't remember what my favorite was <laughs> when it opens with the mural yeah. and, and it's singing that song there once was a man called warrell <laughs> it's so good earnest p warrell <laughs> Was there was there an Ernest? Uh, there was it like Ernest saves Christmas or something? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was, pro- that was probably the one I saw the most. Ernest goes to camp. Ernest, goes, Ernest to goes to jail. Ernest scared stupid. Yeah. Ernest goes stupid. Below, I mean, it's my favorite. Jim Varney was oh. what a guy. Yeah. He was a gem. Okay, welcome to the Midwest Film News <laughs> Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Nick. <laughs> yeah, I'm Willie. Today we're gonna play a little game, and then we're gonna review two movies: uh, S. Craig Zoller's Bone Tomahawk. I said it that long because I forgot what it was called in the middle of saying How it. could you forget after the game we played <laughs> during the movie? And then, uh, and then uh, Kerry Fukunaga's Beasts of No Nation. But before we get to that, feedback at MidwestFilmNews.com is where you can write to us. Let us know what you think of the show and the things that we talk about. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at MFN Podcast. And you can find us on Facebook and Vine under Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. Uh, we're on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and uh, a few other places you can find us there but also midwestfilmnerds.com where we have full show notes and timestamps, so you can skip over the spoilers, which will be important in this episode because we will probably do spoilers for beasts of uh for bone tomahawk before we get to talking to non-spoilers of beasts of no nation you should so, probably just watch the movies before you listen to this yeah it's unless probably, you don't care uh, yeah uh, yeah so you know but things will be clearly delineated in some fashion so, uh, yeah. But anyway, I figured we could play some tagline takedown. Uh, it's going to be what? you two, you two head to head. Oh man! Surprise tagline takedown. I don't think it's going to be particularly difficult. But um, tagline takedown. Tagline takedown. Tagline number one: The world's greatest leader is a hostage in the most dangerous place on earth. Now, only the deadliest man alive can save him. Get from New York. Right. Good shit. <laughs> Nailed it. All right, number two. What you fear most is among you. The thing? That is correct. Mm. Number three. Good one. Adventure doesn't come any bigger. Big Troll in Little China? That is correct. Well, number four. A trend here. Number four. <laughs> Willie wins. Good job, Willie. <laughs> Yay, number Willie. four. Two of LA's rival cops are going to have to work together, even if it kills them. And mm. <laughs> so many 80s movies. <laughs> Tango and Cash? That is correct. Mm-hmm. Ooh. That's he's ahead by three. It's three to one Sounds right like a now. different trend here. Three to one. There's a total of seven. So I think we're, we're all about that Kurt Russell. All right. Silently behind a door, it waits. It's the thing again. Oh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Um, silently behind a door, it waits. Sky high. <laughs> <laughs> 
That is incorrect. It's yeah, a DVD copy sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> waiting, for waiting for someone to rent it. <laughs> I actually kind of like that movie. Yeah, so did I, actually. It's kind of cute. It was kind of fun. I never um, saw it. Oh, it's all right. God. Silently behind the door, it waits. The Indian in the cupboard? No. Behind the door. These are chronological, by the way. <laughs> there's a, so there's a door in this movie. Mm-hmm. And something's waiting behind it. This, Silently. This is true. It's very quiet. Almost silent, if you I mean, will. honestly, it's probably not that quiet, but I don't know. Ooh. I've never seen the movie, but I would guess you know it's there, kind of. You don't know, but you would expect, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Man, is this a wash? I do not know I this. Know. I have no right, clue. We'll, we'll, we'll it come, sounds really familiar. We'll come back to that one, if anybody thinks of it. Hmm. Yeah, I'll... All right, uh, number number six. I'm your Huckleberry. Oh, that's got to be Tombstone. Yeah. Nick got that one. All right, here we go. Jeez. Final final one. Technically, we'll come back to number five. But sealed and buried for all time is the key to mankind's future. Stargate. That is correct. It's Beautiful. tied. It's tied. Ooh. Three to three. Behind so it door. all comes down Damn. to silently behind a door it waits. Executive decision. That's not correct. <laughs> <laughs> Breakdown. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh, shit. Let me, let me see if... Uh, God, I know that, too. It's I can picture like... Oh, man. It does sound like a lot. Of, it sounds like a lot of 80s movies, though. Kind of like Tango and Cash. I'm, I mean, I'm trying to think of... It sounds like a horror movie. That's not not a, not a bad uh, or or at least a sci-fi movie, but it, but Kurt Russell didn't do a ton of those in that time period. This is pre-Stargate. I'm not gonna lie; I had no idea he was in this movie. But if you asked me to name who was in this movie, I wouldn't have been able to tell you anybody. It's not Tequila Sunrise, is it? No. Okay. I can give you another tagline, but I don't know if I want to yet. Mm. I think people are entertained. I want to see who who comes out. Somebody's got to get it. I mean, <sighs> it's not a soldier. Captain Ron. Okay. <laughs> I I almost put Captain Ron overboard. <laughs> Let me look up the Captain Ron one. <laughs> just for fun, please do. Um, I'm disapp- if that if this is the last one, I'm disappointed you didn't. Silently behind a door, it waits. So I okay. think I just stopped. I don't know why. I what stopped. was the tagline? I was going like, to get eleven of them, but I only ended oh, up wow. with seven. So what was the tagline before that? Uh, <laughs> you want that was uh, let's get Captain Ron. That real was quick. that was Tango and Cash. So Tango and Cash was like eighty eight, mm-hmm. and what was I the one know. after it? Uh, I'm your Huckleberry. Tombstone was like ninety two. Mm-hmm. So we're somewhere like big, right beginning of nineties. <laughs> this is Captain Ron. Martin just wanted a nice, quiet family vacation. Instead, he got. I, would, I wouldn't. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gotten that one. Yeah, that's good. It, it says Martin. Isn't Martin Short his his co star in that? Martin. Uh, Martin Short's name in the film is Martin. Is Martin? Harvey. Okay, they yeah. tried hard. <laughs> I always wonder about that, especially when it's a relatively unknown actor and it's the same name as theirs. I was it's like, kind of weird. Can they just not respond to their character's name so they just switch it to the person? Should have been like Martin's vacation fun is coming up a quite right. a bit short. I can I can pick a different one unless we want to. Well, okay, but if you pick a different one, there has to be a rebuttal. <coughs> That's my thought process because if you if you pick a different one, we're both stumped on this. If you pick a different one, whoever gets it first, the other person gets a chance to get another one. Oh, all right. That all I, right. I think I don't know if Nick agrees right. or not. 
Do you, do you agree to these rules as we play the game? <laughs> I mean... Yeah, yeah, of course. Right. A shot uh, at rebuttal seems fair. Uh, sure. All right. All right. Uh, here's, your, here's your next tagline. Brains, brawn, and beyond. Are we talking about Sky High right now? Yes, we are. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right, so we'll, we'll do... We'll, we, got the, we got the rebuttal. Uh. Um, let's go with... I want to make it a deeper cut. Deeper than sky. A deeper high. cut. Uh, deeper cut than whatever we're stumped on, which is probably really easy. <laughs> it probably is. And we're I, just, to be honest, it's like I said, I never even knew he was in like the movie. Russell time. Like, All right, here we go. I know. That's why it's weird that he would not be like top build. Yeah. Here we go. Prime Russell time. <laughs> <laughs> New podcast idea. <laughs> uh, all right. Here's here's the here's the the tagline: Love, hate, dreams, life, work, play, friendship, sex. No spaces. I also didn't know he was in this movie either. But one more time: Love, hate, dreams, life, work, play, friendship, sex. Not a very good tagline. Although I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know. Maybe it's a great tagline for the movie. Mm. Oh man. You guys gotta stop getting stumped on these. We gotta move on. We got movies to talk about. <laughs> Valentine's Day? Nope. <laughs> Valentine's Day, all about life and hate. Whoa. Love, hate, dreams, life, work, play. Okay, I'll give you another tagline from the same movie. Okay. <clears throat> Forget everything you know and open up your eyes. Vanilla Sky. That is correct. Oh uh, yeah. Nice. We're back. We're back All to right, square one. All right, me and Nick tied. We're back to square one, <laughs> fellas. All right, I'll give you I'll give you another from the the one that's the, the one that was just to just those. to see if you guys can get it. In LA. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know uh, that one. Which has literally one good scene in it. <laughs> Surfing scene? No. <laughs> God. Oh boy. Basketball scene? All right. In that instant, it can create a hero or cover a secret. The third, the third one is just going to completely give it away. In that instant, it can create a hero or, or uncover cover. a secret. Cover a secret. Or cover a secret. It's a movie that my dad liked a lot. I have a feeling it's kind of a dad What movie. was the first tagline again? Silently behind a door it waits? Yeah. It's not Cocoon, is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, thinking of movies oh that... Oh my God, he could be in a Cocoon remake now, though. <laughs> I'm just thinking movies that... That was that was earlier though, wasn't Is it? Is Wolfram Brimley still alive? Yeah, I think so. Can he be in the cocoon? Okay. <laughs> you play yes, the cocoon. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best idea we've ever come it up has, with. On this he has to be kind of. Oh, man, uh, man. Instant. this is why is this so hard? I don't. Right, I'm going to give you the third one. Uh, can you tell us what year it's from? Ninety-one. <laughs> The soundtrack. <laughs> it's it's definitely a dad movie because Bruce Hornsby's on the soundtrack. <laughs> I don't even know who that is. He's the guy who does. Uh, That's the way it is. The dad, the daddest rock song. Yeah, I don't think I know that song. <laughs> Things will never be it's, the same. It's the definition of dad rock. Is it's Bruce da- Hornsby? It's super dad yeah. rock. Yeah. 
I can. Well, what else can I give you about that? How much? How much can I tell you about this movie? Without? So he's not. He's not the star. Then he's just in it. IMDb yeah. has him at the front. Well, uh, top build, I guess. Is t- this is like a cartoon, isn't it? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I can start from the bottom of uh, from the bottom of the recognizable names. We've been going on this episode for 19 minutes. Yeah, about <laughs> Kurt Russell. We're gonna keep going. Scott Glenn. Uh, it's not helping me at all. Jennifer Jason Lee. Uh, fuck is this movie? Donald Sutherland. Uh, I repeat, what the fuck is this movie? Robert De Niro. Uh, what? Oh, I uh, uh no. Billy Baldwin. Uh, what is this movie? Kurt Russell. I don't know what this movie is. I have no We're clue back what this at movie the top. Is. All right, final, final, final tagline. Just to put everybody out of there. We misery. should just call it a draw right now. Oh, yeah. it's a draw. It's, it's a, a draw. Truce. Okay. It's, it's a draw. Yeah. You, you guys... gave us so much information, we both lose. <laughs> <laughs> what the One heck? breath of oxygen and it explodes in a deadly rage. Maybe you guys just don't know this movie. Seriously, what is the movie? I don't know what this is. It's not Virus. No. No. That's that... the only Billy Baldwin movie I can think of. <laughs> and it's an awesome movie. It's fucking It has sweet. Donald Sutherland, too. It does, yeah. Whoa. You sure this isn't Virus? Alternate title. All right, what is this? Backdraft? Oh my oh, god. Jesus, really? <laughs> what the hell is wrong with us? <laughs> oh my god. Seriously. And I quote that movie constantly at work. Oh my god, that's pathetic. <laughs> wow. Man. That's pretty good. My dad my I I swear to god. It's my a dad, dad movie. My dad has brought up Backdraft to me many times. And We're our we are bad. We both lose. We all lose. More like bad drafts. Sorry, Kurt. More like that was backfire. Awful. That was awful. <laughs> we delete all that. What nope. The hell? Nope. It's it's going in. It's, it's going funny. In the show. It brought up uh, a wonderful cocoon pre-make that we it, that needs to happen. Redo. <laughs> okay. I don't know why. It's Wilford Brimley passes the yet. secret on to a new generation of elderly people. <laughs> Including Kurt Russell. I have a feeling it would just get boiled down to him him being in like the old folks' home. <laughs> like Wilford Brimley would just be another and he'd be like, I don't know what they're on as they're like partying. It'd be like a stupid cameo or yeah, something. Exactly. Yeah. I've never seen funny. Cocoon in, in its entirety. It was on a VH, VHS tape that my parents had like taped six movies <laughs> off of HBO and it was like randomly and they labeled so, all of them. So what cut off Cocoon? Well it was it was like um I think it was Masters of the Universe, Cocoon <laughs> And Back to the Future Part 2. And I always skipped over Cocoon because if I can watch old people. I I can watch He-Man and Marty McFly. Why am I going to watch old people? So I fast-forwarded right through that. Cocoon was one of those movies where I think my mom was like, you haven't seen Cocoon? And I was like 11. And she's like, all right, we have to watch Cocoon. There's a Cocoon, too. You guys know this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think I saw that one, too. I don't remember either of them. Is Steve Gutenberg in those movies? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I thought. He's the young buck. He could could come back, too. He could be. Bring them all back. Bring the whole, let's re- reunite this it's cast. It's the same movie. Wolverine is <laughs> <laughs> just like older. He looks exactly the same. <laughs> oh yeah. man, we I'm should down. we should try to find a way to make it happen. If if not, Kickstarter, if only for, for funny or die. <laughs> Cocoon three, the Kickstarter. Let's do a Cocoon the video game, the Kickstarter. <laughs> 
do nothing. <laughs> you gotta you gotta make it into a graphic novel first, and then you can adapt it into yes. a movie. We know yes. these are the rules. That's true. That's true. We just gotta play by the rules, guys. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we should move on to our review of Bone Tomahawk. If you couldn't tell, all those movies in Tagline Takedown were Kurt Russell films. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he was in Backdraft. That was the plan. I was gonna actually splice in Idris Elba movies. So I was gonna do. Mm. Either, uh, that would have been much trickier. I didn't. Uh, I didn't uh, uh, prepare properly for would've this. Would have been tricky. So, Bone Tomahawk. Uh, the IMDb synopsis says: Four men set out in the Wild West to rescue a group of captives from a can- from cannibalistic cave dwellers. The movie is available on video on demand right now. Um, directed by S. Craig Zoller and starring Patrick Wilson, Kurt Russell. Um, I don't know why they're in this order on IMDb. Sean Young, Lily Simmons, a bunch of people. Matthew Fox and David Arquette and Richard Jenkins. Uh, Sean Young, I think, was the was the mayor's wife or whoever the hell it was. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Willie, this is one that you brought up to our attention. Yeah, well, to be fair, I didn't even know this existed until Tim brought it up. So okay. this is kind of... Tim passing the gift on. Remember, Although Tim's the one of us who has not seen it yet. so I remember hearing about it at some point. Okay. And being like, oh, that's, there's people in there that I like. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But. And, and it's, got a, it's got a very intriguing cast. I like Kurt Russell. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I like Matthew Fox from his time on Lost. Mm-hmm. Big fan of his. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patrick Wilson. Uh, I like Patrick Wilson. Totally. Um, and Richard Jenkins. I adore. So mm-hmm. this, I was, and I love Westerns. And I love. Um, Is it Haig? Sid Haig. Oh, he's, he's used well in this. Um, he's used in the only way you should really use Sid Haig. Um, <laughs> very sparingly. Very sparingly and very uh, grimy. Uh, okay. Uh, anyway, so, no, I was, I was pretty excited when I, when I pulled up the IMDb page and I saw all this. Yeah. So, and it's, it's a blending of two genres I enjoy quite a bit. Okay. So, yeah. Well, I, what, what did you think of the film? I liked it a lot. Yeah. There are issues. Um, mostly, I, I would say the the bigger issues deal with the low budget, and I think that they, you can tell they they were not struggling, but that they had they had not as much to work with as the uh, as I think they would have liked. Yeah. Um, but it honestly didn't detract for me when I was watching the movie. I mean, yeah, the some of this stuff looks like sets, and some of this stuff looks like sets, but <laughs> <laughs> but um, it never took me out of the movie or anything. I mean, I noticed it, but it didn't. Didn't bother me. If anything, it had to a bit of a bit of charm to it because it was like, here's somebody clearly working on a lower budget, but he's got some real solid talent behind him, and he has a vision, and he wants to execute that. And I think for the most part, he does. Um, I think there's a there's some not tonal shifts. I think the mood really sits starts off where it needs to be, and it just escalates from there. Um, but I think there is a, there's a bit of a jarring turn towards the end of the movie okay uh, or it could be jarring for some i kind of expected it going in yeah um and so i had no issue with it and given the kind of movies i l- tend to gravitate towards it was very welcome um i like all of the characters i like all four of these leads you don't get a ton of backstory for all of them it's not like it's exposition heavy like oh i fought in the civil war and blah, blah, blah. Like, like you know like we don't need all we don't get all that we don't need all that it seems like what you learn about the characters comes very naturally through the dialogue. Um, there's certain characters like Matthew Fox, for instance, his character. Um, I, I'd say the first hour of this journey, I was like, I didn't. What is? What why is, is he? he here? Why is he here? Who is <laughs> yeah. this guy? Why am I interested in this guy whatsoever? And then he, all of a sudden, he becomes like the most interesting person in the bunch. 
And then somebody else becomes the most interesting person in the bunch. So um, I liked all four of our of our heroes in this movie. Um, Richard Jenkins is something else in this one. Mm-hmm. He's doing something really cool here. Um, mm-hmm. He easily he, a lesser actor easily could have fallen into a farce or like a caricature of somebody who clearly has some mental health issues. I mean, he's not. Richard, Richard Jenkins' character is not all there. I'm, he's not the sharpest. He's not the sharpest tool of shit. No, he's not. And and but he, the character is very endearing, and he's loyal. And he, I don't know. He's really, really just a cool character. And I, I mm-hmm. dug everything he was doing in this movie. Um, I wonder if that was a direction given to him, or if it's something he kind of just went with. He read the character, and I almost feel like for whatever reason, I feel like it was something that he kind of he saw an aspect of the character he liked and just kind of went with it. Um. Kurt Russell's beard, on point. MVP. Not quite Tarantino level, yeah. but we'll be seeing that shortly. But he's getting, he was getting there at this point. Yeah. He, was, he was harvesting <coughs> the beard. Um, he had begun. Yes, the harvest had begun. And uh, the bounty is now... Plentiful. Plentiful. <laughs> right for the plucking. Bountiful. Um, the, I, I don't know how... It's tough. I don't know how much I want to talk about some of the later stuff in this. Um, if you know the basic plot, you know that there is, is some sort of, um, Native American tribe involved in what's going on and a bit of a quest involving them. I will say the reveal of them and the things that happen once they meet this tribe are insane. There, there is a scene in this movie where I was like, holy shit, I'm having a hard time watching what's happening right now. Like I'm Mm -hmm. uncomfortable watching this. Mm Mm-hmm. And I liked that because <laughs> it doesn't happen very often for me. Yeah. So, um, and the movie's opening. Good, good God, way to how to way to open the movie would just like instantly put make you uneasy and yeah. One of the, yeah one of the nastier decapitations I've ever watched because <laughs> it seems so real and gross. I don't know. I really liked it. There's some cool soundtrack bits in this movie too. Actually, mm-hmm. um, I, you don't notice it most of the movie, but I think. There's some stuff towards the end, and I think uh, the whatever piece of music is playing over the end credits that kind of carries you to the end credits is really, really cool, too, from what I remember. So. The song written for the film? I think it was, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah. So, it's pretty good. Yeah. I dug it. So yeah. All right. Nick, your thoughts on Bone Tomahawk? On the Bone Tomahawk. It's Bone Tomahawk. It was okay. I didn't really... I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I, I found myself... Uh, juggling emotions scene to scene with how i felt about it yeah and uh there are things about it that are really good uh like willie already said the cast is is all really largely pretty great i didn't really like patrick wilson in it though Mm. he felt he felt out of place everybody else man kurt russell can can sell me on western so so effortless effortlessly the man was was born to be in this genre he's just flawless in that role and Matthew Fox, oddly enough, is like really, really, really good too. He's kind of a dandy in this, and I like that. For how clean he was, it was it's an interesting like character to have in a western. But he he, he was yeah. yeah he was well. When I was looking at the character posters later, which there are character posters and they're, and they're awesome. Cool. Yeah, he was he was uh, categorized as an armed gentleman, and yeah. I was like, that's really cool, <laughs> and that's pretty much exactly what he is. But at the same time. He's the scummiest character, and he's kind of the the worst, and kind of the like Willie said, he kind of becomes more the most interesting. 
And even though as soon as he shows up, you're like, this guy's pretty interesting. <laughs> There's a level um, of sympathy, though, I think you gain for him a little bit. Yeah, I, at least I did. I, he's... I started to understand why he was the way he was. Yeah, it's it's pretty... It's pretty interesting, and then there's stuff about him I'll get into more in spoilers. He was the he was the one character that for me stretched beyond uh, just genre archetype. Like he, they actually did a little bit more with him that I, I was pretty pleased with. Uh, Richard Jenkins, uh, beautiful, beautiful man. Just want to hug him. Weirdly unrecognizable in this movie too. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, for a yeah. while, I was like, "Is that that's him?" Right? Yeah. And I, he looks like, and I it was funny because I looked at the IMDb. I think Jim Broadbent was supposed to be right. in the role. He looks. Exactly like Jim Broadbent in the beginning does. of the movie, yeah. which is insane to me. And Timothy Oliphant was supposed to be Matthew Fox. And Ugh. Timothy Oliphant is amazing in Western genre. Like, he is so good. Yeah. But Matthew Fox was better uh, than I think Oliphant would have been. And, uh, yeah, Patrick Wilson, he just, you know, he's supposed to be a former cowboy. And he looked like the town, like, accountant. <laughs> and I was like... <clears throat> I was like, I don't buy this guy as a rough and tumble, like easy rider kind of. I just the whole movie, I was like, this guy looks like he he would be like bit by a mosquito and turned back. So it just didn't. He didn't really work for me, and he overacts a lot. And yeah. I was just like, you're not you're not stepping right into these boots and saddle like the rest of these guys. So, and my, part of that might be by design because he's kind of the outsider, but. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. It's yeah. It's tough to say, but I see what you're saying. He does feel like the odd. Either man way, I would have rather that. had somebody who looked kind of like a, you know, they used to be a, a cowboy, give a little me, rough around the edges. Yeah, maybe. give me like a, a, oh god, what's his name? Like a Josh Holloway or something like that. Yeah, would have been cool. I can see that. But uh, Patrick Wilson is a good actor, and I do like him, so he gets a little bit of a pass. Constantly playing impotent people, though. <laughs> Constantly. <laughs> this man will never play anything but impotent. It's incredible. Like, I don't know. Anyway. Um, <laughs> it's creepy that his wife is 20 years younger than him. Like, the, the actor-actress. I was kind of I was like, it's a little skeevy, I think. <laughs> but maybe it's kind of the way it was in the West. So <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I might be okay with it. Yeah. And the movie does a very good job uh, portraying what life must have been like on the frontier. And I do like that. And Lily Simmons was actually really good mm-hmm. for the most part. So she, good job on her. Um, and it falls into a lot of the the tendencies of Western movies that I usually really like Westerns for. Like Westerns are long and they are dry. You spend a lot of time just on the on the road, just on the journey. And in this movie, for some reason, sometimes I was kind of like, ah, okay, like we can get we can hurry it up a little bit or give me give me a something with some. Cause, but when it finally gets there, you're like, whoa. It's here. And I kind of wish now that it wasn't because <laughs> you start, you do start to like these characters. And, and like Willie said, the way their, their, uh, pasts unfold is really compelling yeah. and it's, it's, it's given to you slowly. So it's well-written. And from what I understand, uh, Zoller wrote a book, but he also has worked in film already. So I was kind of confused because it's not, it's not like super well-directed or shot or anything. It's just good actors. So, it's not like it's necessarily really fun to watch, except for the people in it. You don't see any really cool like gunfights or, or anything like that. So there's a couple moments I think towards the end we'll talk about it that I think they're not the most technically proficient gunfights or anything in terms of filmmaking, but they're I think they're effective in a certain way. Yeah, there are some things that are pretty good. There there is some good editing for sure yeah. near the end. And that might be what I'm thinking of is kind of the way it was. But when it hits yeah. the the kind of the climax that that was just super grisly that Willie enjoyed, I did not enjoy it at all. I was like, <laughs> oh, I did not ever need to see that in a movie. And uh, 
I didn't say I needed to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really like it. I was kind of like, you know, that it was just, it felt like shock factor to me. So anyway, um, overall, it, it was an interesting watch, though. I'm not, mad, I'm not upset that I watched it or anything by any means. It was a lot of fun to watch these guys act um, opposite each other because they're all... <sighs> They're kind of like the Ninja Turtles. Like you have four really different personalities, and they have to work together. And except you don't know who any of these guys are really, except for Kurt Russell because he's just Kurt Russell. He's just uh, yeah. Well, he's Kurt Russell, and he's like the archetypal like sheriff of the town. He's a good guy with a nice wife and uh, bitchin' facial hair. <laughs> but the rest of them are pretty interesting guys that you kind of learn a little bit about. Um, I do think it has. The only other kind of critique I have is that some of it feels a little overwritten. And it felt at times a lot like a student film because and, – and good screenwriters, I think, are capable of this. And, and people, a lot of people make this mistake where they write a lot of stuff they get really attached to. And they write a lot of good dialogue and they say, this, is, this joke is funny. This exchange is very good. And while that is true, it doesn't necessarily – it makes your movie too long. Yeah. And it's really hard to divorce yourself from it and say, does this – move the movie forward and can i cut it a little bit and so there are a lot of scenes in this while there is very compelling dialogue like a conversation in the jail between richard jenkins and kurt russell goes on forever it is such an overly long scene and while everything they're saying is on the surface yes it's entertaining and it's witty and they have there's clearly you gotta you gotta you gotta lean it up a little do a little bit better because the first act of this movie is so much longer than it needs to be mm-hmm. And you were 20 minutes in, and I was like, this could have all happened in seven and a half minutes. Like yeah. it, it, And there's a lot of scenes that are just, they're a little overwritten. And I think that's a little bit too much, too much back and forth. And uh, be, knowing that the guy was a novelist, it's hard to understand where he's coming from. Because I understand, like, when you watch The Counselor, you're like, okay, it's Cormac McCarthy. And so you can understand why sometimes the dialogue is, like, ridiculous or, or too long. And sometimes, hey, like, in my case, you enjoy it. But uh, in this movie, for some reason, I was like, this is just too much. A little bit, uh, a little bit too wordy, but it's hard because you're watching good, good actors have fun with each other. So yeah. it's tough. It's a tough struggle. But overall, I would have, I could have done without it. I guess. Anyway, all right. On the subject of rambling, I passed <laughs> uh, to Alex. <laughs> uh, I liked the movie. It, I found it pretty interesting. When I was done, I was like, yeah, this feels like a like a Willie and Tim kind of movie. <laughs> <laughs> but uh especially because the end like the end uh the the song during the end credits is just like oh, it's hilarious it's amazing uh, for, for what is it the four, four men, doomed men ride out four doomed men ride out yeah. it's like okay might as well have been john carpenter writing it but. oh yeah it was funny <laughs> um and we made that joke earlier in the movie too we made a joke about john carpenter writing the score yeah <laughs> but no i mean it's it just feels too long to me, and maybe maybe if I was a little more educated on westerns, I would have a different feeling about it. Although I know Nick is quite a western fan, and 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 clearly you were kind of like, yeah, it doesn't need a plot about as much as it does. But I do think there are some good characters to kind of sink your sink your teeth into, and, and oh, definitely not literally. Sorry, that I didn't really didn't mean that. <laughs> but um, no, it's it's fun, and I think as a as a not fun, but as a VOD, I think it's a good movie to just kind of sit down and be like, all right, I feel like what if it's something that you think you'd be interested in, 
I think it's worth the seven dollars or whatever it was. Yeah, and if you like it. any of those actors, yeah, absolutely, they're all good in it. I don't. I didn't really get to like. I didn't really like the Patrick Wilson Lily Sillman's relationship. It wasn't what they tried to do to establish it. To me, didn't make it feel like the journey was worth it in the movie. I guess I don't know. Hmm. Like. I get that I'm supposed to feel like this is how people would react and how it would happen, but it just didn't really. Yeah, that's interesting for me. You think more time up front establishing their relationship might have been not beneficial. necessarily more time, but the way that they establish it is is difficult. Because, They're just kind of weird. <laughs> well, because Patrick Wilson's clearly this like dis like disabled, uh, impotent kind of like that's just what it is. He's got his broken leg or whatever, and. His needing to defend his ego and things like that doesn't make you feel like they're two people that, like, basically him reading that letter or whatever that he wrote is supposed to show you that they're these they're these two people that care and love each other very much, care about each other and love each other very much. But even he doesn't like necessarily feel like the letter is still him, and I, as an audience member, don't really feel like that either. Yeah. So it's it's weird that he would be like that that it's not weird because it's his wife but it just doesn't quite it's not fully fleshed out in terms of like oh I need to go rescue her because something's happened. So I think like if that's a really good point I didn't even think about that because I was watching them throughout the movie and I was like these guys don't seem to have like early on I'm like they don't seem to have a lot of chemistry. He seems like yeah. he just kind of pissed at her all the time <clears throat> and like if Kurt Russell's wife had been kidnapped and he was like I'm going to go get her I would have bought it. And they had one scene together. Well, the thing is, and for some reason, I was like, "This is true love." The, I get it. The Kurt Russell needing to rescue her because he's the sheriff made more sense to me than Patrick Wilson needing to rescue her because he's her, her husband, which to me is wrong. <laughs> like that shouldn't be the hierarchy of who would. That's go really awesome. Because Kurt Russell's like, "I'm the sheriff." Matthew Fox goes, "I got her into this." Richard Jane goes, "I'm the deputy." What's your story, Patrick Wilson? Uh, she's my wife. Yeah, what else you got, though? <laughs> yeah, but your leg's broken, bro. Like, it's it's weird. It's weird. And it's not really something that, like, bothered me throughout the whole movie, but it was something upon reflection I was like, eh. But anyway, we should get into spoilers. Yeah. So we'll take a quick break and come right back for Spoiler Terry and Bone Tomahawk. The Bone Tomahawk. Oh, man, we should talk about that before spoilers, though, because that was okay, really funny. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, essentially, Nick and I watching this movie essentially became trying to figure out what, <laughs> what Bone Tomahawk meant. and Why is the movie called Bone Tomahawk? And there's something, and this can lead into spoilers, because there's something I want to talk about. I feel like my, what I wanted Bone Tomahawk <laughs> to be is... I would have stood up and left. <laughs> But, but we just, just we just kept like inserting our own dialogue, and like a character would turn to the other and look at him, and one of us would just be like, "Do you know the legend of the Bone Tomahawk or <laughs> yeah. something like that?" And we just kept inserting our idea you know, they, of why this... they used to call me the Bone. Tomahawk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or like, yeah, You're or like, like deeper meaning. That was that, that yeah. was the slaughter of the of Bone Tomahawk <laughs> yeah. Pass or yeah, something. The, 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 the name of the pass they were going by was Bone Tomahawk. Right, and like as the characters talked more about their past, we were like, "Is is this it?" And like, I feel like if we had been watching Mystery Science Theater this movie, they would have been like, "Wait, here here it comes. It's the Bone. This is it." 
Oh, yeah. that's not it. And yeah. It just became really funny and probably devalued the ending of the movie for us because by well, the end we were just like laughing. A little, a little bit. But I don't. So we'll go into spoilers real quick and then we'll have. Oh, out. God. It was such a fun game, though. Yeah, <laughs> it it so absolutely funny. was. Absolutely. We'll be right back. the bone tomahawk pass into <laughs> we have forged our way across the bone tom the mighty bone tomahawk river so they leave it a little bit ambiguous as to whether or not they amputate patrick wilson's leg <laughs> right <laughs> and i wanted him to use his his foot bones as the bone tomahawk. <laughs> <laughs> no no alex wanted him to have the, the exposed leg bone he wanted him to fashion it into a tomahawk and then he's walking on himself at people <laughs> <laughs> just trying to high kick everyone <laughs> It, it, yeah, it would have been beautiful. This is what we were doing for the, That's, the wow. final minutes of the movie. Amazing. It would it would have been beautiful, but yeah, we were making jokes, and that was clever. I was like, "Ooh, if he comes to and they cut his leg off, that'll be badass." But I don't know where the movie would have gone. Like, how would they have been rescued? They wouldn't. Everyone would have just died. It would have been. Yeah. It's a little, a little bit unbelievable that he makes it there to rescue them anyway. In my opinion, it's insane. Kinda, yeah, but, but it's it's. I kind of liked it. But it's like yeah, you know. Yeah, at that point, I was like, all right, someone's like, gotta, get someone's got to get, get him out of this pickle. And he kicks some ass too. Like for a dude who can barely move, he he wipes the floor with those troglodytes. I oh was, my god, when he. When he sticks his knife in that thing's neck, as soon as he did it, I was like, if he pulls out a piece of their throat and blows into it like a duck call, I don't know what I'm going to do. No, and that's exactly had, what happened. They had, um, they, you know what, I, they actually had some, like, that was sewn into their neck. Yeah. Yeah, to make yeah, it make that sound. It was a piece. Yeah, no, I get yeah. it. But the fact that I that's what happened, yeah. the fact that that's what happened, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Um, kind of was later on in the movie in the cave when he like blows it we were making jokes about like oh what's wrong with with john again today? yeah because the the guards <laughs> the guards moved like guards in like a star trek episode they were yeah. just kind of like oh and they would turn around and leave like after the scene where they uh oh what were they doing there was some scene where they came in and then they like oh when they drank when they, they took the drink when they yeah. poisoned them and then it cuts to that wide and they start wandering away i was like all right back to work guys and like it was just perfect because that's it how they look silly yeah the, it, it was just, a little stoogy it was just yeah. entertaining yeah um the the sequence with him though getting beyond that wall mm-hmm. where they've left their packs and stuff because you know i mean at right. this point you've established as soon as they walk past that wall like all bets are off like somebody's gonna die you're on their turf yeah, yeah exactly so once he gets through there, I'm like, there is no way in hell he's going to pull this off. And yeah, it's totally. I mean, it gets a little far fetched, but that sh- the one shot that really got me was um, when he falls asleep up against the rock, and he's in the left part of the frame, and oh. you see the you see the one walking through, and I'm like, he's going to fucking die right yep. now. Like they're going to. I thought that was very cool. Very the uh, the scene where Matthew Fox goes through the pass was really tense. I was like, totally. I was like, really he, his tense. head's gonna come rolling back in or something. And I was like, oh, cool, he's still alive. Eh, not for long. Not for long. But he goes out like a champ too. Well, kind of, kind of, sort of. He, he goes out. You know what? And and Matthew, this is this plays to one of Matthew Fox's best strengths, which is fake crying. And the part where he's such a tough guy and his hand gets fucking lobbed off, and he's like. Tie that off for me, will you? And like they yeah. tie it off, and then he's like, "All right, give me some dynamite. I intend to blow up as many of these guys as I can." And right when they turn away, and he he lets himself for just the briefest of moments, like get emotional, like I'm gonna die. And he makes that Matthew Fox face that you see so much <laughs> in Lost. And I was like, "Ooh, there it is." Except there's a great mustache in front of it now, <laughs> and the stogie. And just for just a second, his eyes and everything, and then he and then he 
straightens himself up and says, all right, business time. And then he dies. And I was like, fuck, I really wanted him yeah. to take it to, I wanted like when they were, when they were getting dragged past him, I wanted like the bodies of like three or four dead ones to be around him. Yeah. He only <clears> takes <throat> out one of them yeah. from what I could tell, which is kind of a bummer, but yeah. he does get hit with the bone tomahawk. So he gets hit with a bone tomahawk. <laughs> he does. Yeah. That's how Matthew Fox goes out. It's so in his head. Matthew Fox is really funny in this movie because, um, <laughs> it's like the most disruptive use of like, of like art department in that he is like this kind of like racist guy and he's dressed in all white and his horse is white and he is like I am the white man and I am gonna <laughs> butt fuck the frontier right now and it's just kind of funny and I was like I don't want to hate his character but he's kind of a giant racist yeah mm-hmm. but then he talks that native when he says like oh I killed I've killed the most Indians and they're like that's not a that's quite a you know, that's kind of a shitty that's, boast yeah. and he's like it's not a boast like he yeah. he's not really it's interesting because he actually doesn't show any disrespect to that Native American guy Patrick Wilson does yeah he's like mm-hmm. you're people whatever and even they're all like whoa man like <laughs> even Matthew Fox is kind of like hey this dirty red engine is okay by me like he's like he he's it was really it was kind of inconsistent and I was kind of like you know what I kind of wanted. I kind of wanted him to either be a character that I couldn't really get behind and you kind of because a lot of Westerns have that character that's in the posse. It's just not a good guy, but you need him. Mm -hmm. And I kind of wanted Matthew Fox to be that a little bit more. But at the same time, he's got a he's got a sympathetic story. And it's interesting because it's the most in the end, it was good. It was a good choice because it's that Cowboys and Indians cycle of Mm -hmm. like Indians are like, well, you killed my family. And then Cowboys are like, well, I was a little boy and you killed my family. Yeah, that violence. And it's just going on. And I. As he was explaining that, and he was, he had the the lookout glass, and that German. was talking the German, yeah, which was awesome. I, I turned to Alex, I was like, I know, I feel like this is this is still going on, which is what was kind of cool. Like this, this, <clears throat> you know, with, with things that are even in today's political climate, there's mm-hmm. this exact same struggle going on. Yeah. So I thought it was an interesting time to to see that portrayed really well in this movie. It the only downside is that. Um, the the cre- the creature the troglodytes in this movie they're, they're so far removed from like any Humanity. moral yeah exactly yeah. I can't possibly feel bad for them no so in the end it was like you know I would have liked I I like this movie for what it was and I'm glad it, you know it was it was a fun like creature feature in a way towards the end mm-hmm. but it would have been interesting to see a, a modern western that kind of tackles that a little bit better because we're in we're in an era now where I think writing and and technical. Uh, you know what we have at our disposal technically can allow for a really well-crafted western. I think that's it, a movie that will happen at some point. Certainly I hope not so. this one, but I think it will. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so because westerns are one of those things that the genre has not evolved like at all no. <laughs> in all this time. You still have like I said the same you have Kurt Russell you have, as the sheriff, you have like the shanty town setting, you mm-hmm. have the and it, you could pop in a Clint Eastwood Western and see, like, all the same type of shit. Yeah. And so this it, one just takes a bit of a turn. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's cool that the genre is so consistent. And I don't know if it can evolve or if it even should or if we should just make better Westerns, like, like make slightly more polished. Because, like, 310 to Yuma is... What was the other... What's a Western since then that's been, like, high profile? Um, and that's a good movie. Django. Yeah. I still haven't seen it, so I can't say Hateful Eight. <laughs> um... Can we talk real quick before we move along? We have to talk about a few things. David Arquette, from now at this point forward, has to be in any period piece cannibal movie. Yes, and he has, to be, he has to be on screen for like 15 minutes maximum. And disappear. And die off screen. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That has to happen. <laughs> he's, he's used just as well as Sid Haig. Abs- yeah. Perfectly. Um, <laughs> Sid Haig, by the way, is an awful actor. <laughs> he's, he's really bad. Oh, in that first scene, I was like... 
The movie grabbed my attention immediately, like you said with that shot, and then Ugh. I immediately got pulled out of it. I was like, I, you might as well have subbed in Quentin Tarantino acting. <laughs> <laughs> because he's that bad. He's not good. Yeah. Um, but he looked amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah, he did. Uh, but yeah, David Arquette sawing that guy's head off is rough. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, also rough is when a man is scalped, and then his scalp is stuffed in his mouth, and then he's cleaved from his balls downwards. Mm-hmm. And then he's taint. Yanked, then he's yanked in half. Yeah, he has his taint cleaved. <laughs> he yanked in half. And then he's yanked in half. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> it's really rough. I don't rough. know why he's laughing because it's true. <laughs> it's, it's, well, I mean, when I think yank, I think like I'm yanking a string off my sweater. <laughs> so like, it's just so really funny. That's the way they handle he's it. He's ripped in half. He's not yanked. <laughs> he. It's really He's gross. Tugged well, it's head. kind of as blunt as a yank, though. They're just like, yep, there he is. <laughs> it's just a funny word. It's <laughs> rough. Use. And then there's a dude walking around with his leg afterwards, just kind of chomping <sighs> on it. Yeah. Oh, that scene was disgusting. Really, was really rough. gross. And they pull actually, him in half, and all this shit falls out of him. And I was like, oh, come on. I don't on. know if it looked good or if I just didn't want to look at it enough that I couldn't notice that, if it looked bad. That effect I thought looked good. Okay. And this is, I, I think, I, I've That's seen enough the money to went. know. But. The effect that did not look good, and the one that totally made me laugh because it looked so bad, was when Kurt Russell bashes the head off the one chocolate. It looked <laughs> so shitty. <laughs> it looked so shitty. I, I, I was actually like, I wish that was intentional. I know it's not, but that looks really bad. It's like in um, uh, Too Many Cooks when the head just rotates so off. So bad. Um, Kurt yeah. Russell's death is really brutal, too. Like, really mean. Like, they cut him open and stuff a hot, like, Ugh, it's not even a death, really. <laughs> no, yeah, really, yeah. yeah I, I, it keeps but, going. I guess yeah. that killed him. No, probably the shot killed the shot. him. I thought. I legitimately thought that that thing was going to blow his balls off. Like I thought yeah, at that yeah. point, I'm like, hey, they're going to kill him right now, horribly. Yeah, uh, yeah. I thought Kurt Russell was done for. I want an edit that does na 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 as he's like aiming at his balls, like in Robocop. Nice. Um. Yeah, I, I I don't know. The, the troglodytes are creepy. Where I was think. Kurtwood Smith in this movie? <laughs> there's a lot of people that would have fit in well yeah. in this movie. Uh, do you think Kurt Russell got him? You think he cleaned him out at the end? Absolutely. Those three those three gunshots at the end are. All I was sad that the they were they were they were bullseyes. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I was sad. He was, he, had, he knew how much. Str- and how now much and now he's gonna he's gonna take the hot canteen and cauterize his bullet wound and and make his way back to and his walk wife. back. Yeah. <laughs> And crawl back. Yeah, he's got oh, both of his legs man. still. There's horses. They have the they have they horses. They do have the horses. Correct. That's one thing that bugged me. I was like, okay, now there's three of these things left. And I'm trying, at this point, I'm realizing that we're getting a little crazy in this movie. And I shouldn't be taking it Just too. We're crazy. getting a little crazy. There are people being yanked in half. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I... Peeled in half. I'm trying not to take it too seriously, but... I was a little bothered by the fact that they know these guys have stolen horses. I don't think they're eating the horses. They have to get to that town somehow, and they don't strike me as the type that carry a lot of goods with them, so they'd have to have horses. Yeah, and they might, I mean, I don't know. they got to have horses. If there's some kind of um, Native American culture, they probably respect the creation of the earth. You would hope. If, uh, if not the people Oh, you're that, saying like, why the horses are still alive? Yeah. Well, they should probably be alive at this juncture, I would think. Maybe they ate them. Maybe they did. Maybe I, I mean, maybe they did. But if they, they did, that's are, fine. But I would like at least a mention why, of that. Uh, well, yeah. I, I mean, look, I know there's three troglodytes left, but you guys are cleaning fucking house. Like, and you still have a living Russell. So, like, <laughs> hang out with him for a little bit. Kill these motherfuckers off. Grab the horses and book. 
Yeah, you like, outnumber them. Yeah, the plan didn't seem great to me. Like, like uh, you guys get out of here. I'm going to take them out. Well, th- there's only three left. Just hang out for a little bit. Wait yeah. for them to come back. They're dummies. Like, they keep just wandering in the cave one by one and getting killed. Like, just just wait for them. They'll come in. <laughs> I, yeah, I understand that Kurt Russell... Uh, it was good that they wrote in there that he was like, they know about the town. We got to clean them up. Oh, that made sense. I was like, yeah, Yeah. I get it. They're like a pack of wolves at this point. But uh, yeah, they probably did leave the horses alive because they probably probably used them to get to and from. They they didn't walk to town. I don't know. Well, here's my thing. How many days did it take them to get from town to on foot to... But there, but I think the supernatural element of them is. I don't think they're supernatural, though. Mm. I really don't. I think I. I mean, yes, they make crazy sounds and stuff, but and does it make any sense? No. But it's explained technically by the fact that they have these these bones that have been sewn into their necks, so they can make these animal sounds. It. I doubt, highly doubt, and if anybody listening knows, correct me. I highly doubt there's any Native American tribe that did this, but. It can technically be explained through the movie's logic. You know what I mean? Like, there's no, they're not disappearing in puffs of smoke or anything. You know, to me, I just kind of felt like they were more of a force of nature than okay. No, and, that's and I, and it's not like they're the ones that stole the horses from them. Those were the Mexicans. No, I'm talking about the horses in the but, stable. Oh yeah, yeah. There are a shit ton true. of horses missing from the that's stable. That's right. That's right. That was so, a man. That was one of the. Wow, I didn't even think about that. So there had to be horses there. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't eat all those horses. Oh, you think Mexicans stole them from them in the night? No. Yeah. Well, the, the, uh, the Mexicans the, stole the, their horses. The Mexicans stole the horses from them. Oh, really? I thought it was the creatures. No. No, because if you remember right, that another really cool, really effective, creepy scene that messed me up was they wake up with Matthew Fox screaming and being stabbed in the chest. He right. like and the, the I mean, camera pans over and he's got a knife in his chest and a Mexican on top of him trying to kill him and I'm like what the fuck like yeah. is this how we're starting this scene? Um, really? Yeah. Mm. Yep. And then they kill that guy. They See, I thought him. it was one of the things that they killed. No, it was definitely the Mexicans that stole their horses. But not to mention his horse was Matthew Fox's horse was was shot. Yeah. So somebody yeah. had a gun. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, but okay. I, like I, it, to me, it was mostly just like a, like the because the Mexicans were getting back at the fact that Fox had offed Fox a couple killed of them there too. Yeah, well, he was it proves he was right. Oh, uh, oh well, absolutely. I mean, Which is why it's confusing because later there was the dialogue where uh, after that, where Richard Jenkins and them are, them are saying Patrick Wilson's like you should have killed the Mexicans and you know that wouldn't have happened. And then Kurt Russell said, "I don't know how it really would have played out with the Mexicans." So I thought. That that was a creature that they killed that were taking the horses and not the Mexicans. Interesting. I thought, and I well, I thought it was a Mexican too because the um, it makes more sense to be Mexican. Richard sure. Richard Jenkins, uh, kind of because Richard Jenkins is the one that was like they were wearing a cross. Like, why would you shoot them? Like, yeah. blah blah blah. And then Richard Jenkins, uh, after the horse, uh, after they discover the horse, like he kind of apologizes back to Matthew Fox of like a. You, you were right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they came after us, and that's they were they were probably just looking. That scene was awesome shit. when he just lit them up. Yeah, and the scene of him with the horse is really effective too. That was really yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, that was that was the first kind of human moment we had with him, which was good. I liked. I mean, I, I'm I'm a sucker for the the wisecracking uh, guy in the group, and he was he was really funny with a lot of his one liners. And I was like, his dude, his line when Patrick Wilson punched him, uh, that was awesome. That yeah. was such a good line and did not warrant a punch. Like, it was clearly a joke. Yeah. And I was like, man, Patrick Wilson, sit down. Yeah. <laughs> sit down. 
it was just a joke, and they're all like, and then when Kurt Russell's like, get out of here, he's kind of like, what? What did I do? Like, all right, fine. It's just <laughs> His a joke, His wife's hot. Man. I'm just yeah. saying she's hot. <laughs> it was just a joke. It was just a, it was a good callback. It was a funny line. And as he pointed out, like, bro, I'm out here risking my life. Ultimately, I'm going to die in this movie because clearly I got to. Someone's they kind of go die. into it thinking it, like they're probably going to die. Like, just... I, thought, I knew he was a goner, and I, I figured Richard Jenkins would go too. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, I was surprised that he that he made it out and Kurt Russell died in his place. Although that last line, oh, yeah. A plus. What was the last line that he say say hello to or say goodbye to my wife and I'll say hello uh, to yours? Yep. That was good. Very good. That was good. Mm-hmm. Great line. Yeah. See, those are the ones you keep in the movie. You trim out <laughs> you trim out a lot of the other f- little fluff. Even yeah. though it's it might be fun, it might be fun to read. And when you said when you said that the fluff, I was kind of thinking. I think it was a nice character moment, but when. Um, Richard Jenkins is talking about the flea circus. Right. And she recognizes that she can kind of appease him and just kind of be like, I was like, that's a nice moment. That was But nice. I don't think yeah. we needed that exchange necessarily. Like, I think it's. It's a, it's a struggle because it, it, it made me like her more. Yes. Because yeah. in the face of all this horror, she still is willing to do a kindness for she, another person. That's true. Yeah. I, that's it true. made me like her more and. I was like, but I agree. It wasn't necessary for the movie, but it made her a little bit better, which is, again, this is the thing with Westerns. I don't think she was bad. <clears throat> no, like, no, no. Even before that. Like, it wasn't like... No, it, she was, she was fine, she was way, but it, like, added, it added a little bit of depth yeah, to it. It made her a little bit less of a, like... Uh, a, a plot device uh, a and plot more device of a character. More, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, and it's... Um, that's fair. That's fair. But, it, you know, that's the great thing with a lot of Westerns. Like, there's a lot of shit in a lot of other Western movies you can cut out, but is it the same experience, you know? Part of the, the the edge other westerns have over this is that it, they're usually prettier to look at. Yeah. A lot of the stuff in this movie where they sh- they should be on these amazing landscapes and you should have really great photography because you have to you have to make that visual experience a little bit richer. And because a lot of this movie was just kind of there and it was just okay, move camera, there go horses. Like I was just kind of like, all right, there's none. I didn't get any of those amazing western vistas that are in like the old John Ford stuff or like you know. It definitely felt <laughs> like they were like. It could have been a budget limitation thing too, right? Yeah. There. I mean, that could have been part of it too. Is that they? No, I don't think so. Because you're you're just you're there. You're out in nature. Or maybe like, it's intentional. You don't you don't need to be in Sedona, Arizona. I mean, you wherever you are. Like, look at Assassination of Jesse James. There's a lot of just wheat, <laughs> and yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, it could have been intentional too. I mean, it's it's an ugly movie in terms of the the uh, content. And maybe they didn't want to shoot a lot of that sweeping stuff that you normally see in a. Maybe they wanted to show some of the harsher terrain and some of the. You know what I mean? I, I could be wrong. I don't know. I, don't I, I, I do was, see but. what you're saying, and I think that, that that is an interesting point, but you can still give it life. Like, it can sure. still look. Yeah. There can be a vibrancy to it, even if it's. It was just very, like, there. Yeah. It, I gotcha. If, and, and it felt a little bit like it has, it has more scope than something like Thor did. You know, where it felt like they built the town in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and it sure. Was two blocks wide. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's still not. Like it doesn't feel like the open west necessarily. It feels kind of contained. Uh, yeah. yeah, like Bone Tomahawk Ridge. <laughs> but, I want to see a map of the Bone Tomahawk. Bone Ridge. Tomahawk. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it was it was fun. The movie poster is so amazing, by the way. Oh yeah, that poster is all the posters. The character posters, as you said, are but the great. one that's like a vintagey looking. Oh my god. Yeah. I don't you, know if I've seen it. I think you sent it to us a long time ago. Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll pull it Here, up. I, I have it saved, okay. so I'm pretty sure. Hey, Lizzie. Yeah, sorry. Lizzie is jingling her way Lizzie's into the here. Room. Official dog of the Midwest Film News Podcast. Look at this. Oh, yeah. That's wonderful. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, it's really good. Everything about it's great. I love it. I think I have seen that. Yeah. I don't think that's the one I sent to you guys, though. No? Mm-mm. 
I think I just sent you the Kurt Russell one. (laughs) You just sent the one that had the cat. Like, we could clearly see the cast, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, it's good stuff. All right, in the second half of this double-wide, double-stuffed Midwest Film Nerds podcast, we're going to be talking about the latest film from director Kerry Fukunaga. Uh, He also wrote and, uh, and produced Beasts of No Nation, which is available on Netflix for all to see at this moment. Um... The IMDb synopsis says a drama based on the experiences of Agu, a child soldier fighting in the civil war of an unnamed African country. Uh, this was adapted from a book of the same title. I believe it is a uh, fictional book, as far as I can see. The Wikipedia page isn't telling me too much. But the film stars uh, Abraham Atta as Agu, and um, Idris Elba is also there as uh, the commander. Command- Who plays my boy Stryker? Yeah, who plays Stryka? Stryka? Stryka is played by... Come on. I'm not finding him. Rufio. I'm just going to call him Stryka. Yeah, yeah, you can call him Stryka. That works. Uh, <laughs> Emmanuel Ni Adam Koi. Get it. I probably said that completely wrong, so I apologize. Uh, so, Kerry Fukunaga, somebody who I think we all enjoyed... Uh, True Detective Season 1, quite mm-hmm. a bit. I don't know yeah. if anybody's seen too much of his previous works. Has he done stuff? How much has he done? Uh, he did, like, uh, what, like, Jane Eyre, I think. and He directed it? Sin Nombre, and um, I think those are his main... Sin, Sin Nombre, I think, got some really good reviews. Never saw it. Jane Eyre, was this the one with uh, Fassbender? Uh, Jane Eyre had... Yes, I heard Michael was, the Last Fastbender, Jamie Bell, Mia Vaskowska. I heard it was a very good adaptation. So, sounds like his other stuff is good. Yeah, I I don't know. I haven't I haven't seen too much of his work other than True Detective. Yeah, he's amazing uh, on True Dick. So. He's also uh, his IMDb has him listed for the Alienist, the TV miniseries mm-hmm. in 2016 that Nick is uh, very much awaiting. Oh yeah, hi Lizzie. You're gonna be able to hear that so much, but I apologize for Lizzie running around. And jingling. So, uh, Beast of No Nation. Um, interesting release schedule for this movie. It came out in limited uh, in limited release while it was uh, made available on uh, Netflix the same day. So that's an interesting uh, note about it. But um, and technically, it's Netflix's first release in movie theaters. I think it was gonna go wide, maybe. But it was forced into limited release because AMC and Regal and many people said we are not showing this film because it's Netflix. Mm. The Netflix produced film. And mm. we don't want to support that. Because they're taking all of our milk. But not really. I don't think so anyway. But uh, yeah. Beast of No Nation. Uh, I threw to Willie first on Bone Tomahawk. So Nick, what do you think of Beast of No Nation? Uh, you know, I really don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. I just finished it today, so I'm still digesting it. Yeah. I watched it in some, some, some chunks, which actually I'm usually not a fan of, but with this movie, there were several very clear points where I could stop and think about what I just saw. I kind of needed to, too. Yeah. yeah. So I'm actually kind of glad that I watched it that way. Um, it is good. It's a, it's a good story. It's just a very, 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 very sad story. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of very sad stories before, but this one feels very, very, so very real. And 
it's a lot more real than like Blood Diamond, for example, which I think you can talk about as kind of almost a not a companion to this movie, but you know, it's it's in the same vein. Yeah. And this one just feels very very scarily real. And um hopefully it brings a lot of awareness to a lot of the conflict that's going on and it really does <clears throat> you know, I've seen Hotel Rwanda seen blood diamond and and these movies have similar subject matter and similar conflicts but those center around adults for the most part and there's something about following a kid's journey through this world that makes it more relatable which is weird because i can relate better to grown-ups because i'm supposed to be one and it it makes it it just makes the horror more effective um and it's it's very violent, and a lot of the violence is very shocking. And uh, a lot of the exploitation of these kids in many different ways is shocking. And even though you know it happens, and you try not to think about it in your day-to-day, the movie really brings it right in front of your face and, and kind of forces you to think about it. So in that regard, I, I really respect it. It's really good. It's a good venture. Um, it's ballsy to take on, I think. It's pretty ugly. And... Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. Other than that, the performances are really good. The music is really good. Mm-hmm. The movie reminds me a lot of The Thin Red Line at times. The music is very similar. A lot of the photography is very similar. Kerry Fukunaga is so talented. He is such a good visual storyteller. He can just move that camera around and, and place his people where he wants them and tell them what to do, and it will paint a picture for you without needing any dialogue. And... uh even more well expressed in this movie because a lot of it isn't in English there and there, a lot of it isn't even subtitled. There's just little chatterings going on, but you instantly understand he's just a very, very, very talented guy. And I want him to make things twice a year. <laughs> I want him to just always be working. Uh, cause he's very good at everything he does in this movie. I mean, uh, Idris Elba is really good. His accent kind of waxes and wanes a little bit from time to time, which is weird. He does such a, Excellent American accent. He does a flawless American accent. Yeah. And at this, at times in this film, though, like he's very British sounding, and I was like, oh, whatever, it's fine. I think that's kind of true through some of Africa, anyway. I think it could fit, but the two kind of don't. I think if anything, there's a tendency to sound a little more French than English. Really? But uh, he, either way, he's good, and his he uses his. you know, actors, a lot of really good actors are gifted with uh, just their ability to act and the things they can do with their faces. But he uses his stature so well. He's such a big guy. And he uses it so effectively throughout this movie. I was like, man, he's just a big old dude. <laughs> he's in the way. Uh, the kids are great. They're they're really good actors. Um, I don't know if there's really much more I can really say without getting into spoilers. I just think it was a pretty shocking movie. And I was... You know, I, I'm I'm always hesitant to watch movies at home because I I can get distracted very easily. But as this one was progressing, I found myself very like drawn into it. And by the end of it, I was like, I realized that my mouth was open, <laughs> and I was just sitting there on the couch like <clears throat> at the end of the movie. So it really it really did draw me in towards the end. Uh, I can't think of anything else really broad, uh, non spoilery to say about it. Let me consult the notes. Um. Yeah, that's just spoilery stuff. Again, just Fukunaga and the music really stood out, and the music's really, really good. Um, anyway, yeah, it's effective. I think it's it's pretty shocking, and it's really sad. And uh, some people may actually want to avoid it because it's really just intense, and it's not... 
there's nothing too happy about any of it, you know? So like you can watch a movie like bone Tomahawk and it's obviously kind of fictional and it's, it's a little, it does have dark moments, but there are, there's some lightheartedness to relieve it. And it's so far and few, uh, few and far between in this movie, the little lighthearted moments of kids being able to be kids. And it's, uh, it's rough, but it's good. And I think kind of important. Yeah. There's almost, I, I don't want to say responsibility to watch it, but I think it's, uh, I think it's it's important, probably. All right, Willie, your thoughts on Beasts of No Nation? It's very good, very very good. Um, I mean, everything Nick said is is pretty much on point. I you know I the perform the performances are great. Um, everything Kerry Fukunaga does with the camera is insane. Uh, the guy can make the most mundane of shots somehow just like be layered with interesting stuff. Yeah. Like every shot in this movie has something interesting going on in it. And if that was enough reason to watch this movie again, I would watch it again. I will never watch this movie again (laughs) (laughs) because as amazing as Kerry Fukunaga is, I don't think I could put myself through this again. It's really, really good. And and I don't want to take away from it. I think people should watch it. Obviously, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're queasy and you're not comfortable, um, sitting through things that are going to make you uncomfortable, then I don't think either one of the movies we're reviewing today are for you for different yeah, reasons. Right. But um, it's, it's, it is an important movie, I think. Um, I don't know what life is like as a child who's indoctrinated into basically being a slave soldier. I don't know. I never will. I don't know anymore what it's like after watching this movie because to say I would is probably being naive because it's probably even worse than what we're seeing on screen here. Yeah. But I think that movies like this can at least give you, as a viewer who does not, cannot possibly relate to that, a snapshot, you know, can give you examples of things that have happened or things that could happen. Um, and I think sometimes that's enough to like wake people up a little bit. Yeah, I think Africa and conflicts in Africa and some of the issues they deal with over there are often forgotten about, which is very sad. Very very sad. Um, actually, it's kind of topical. We you know uh, we had the attacks in Paris recently. Obviously, it was horrible, just awful. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were also there was also apparently a school in Africa that was like forty some students were killed, and we haven't heard a word about it. You know, which is kind of yeah. sad. It's just an example there of you know I just think. People are so used to shitty stuff happening over there that they don't, you know, we ignore it. But it's not considered news. No, it's not because it's not news. It's the it's the status quo, you know, which is very sad. Um, but it, I mean, this is a really well done movie, and uh, the the young boy who plays Agu, and I'm not going to try to pronounce his name, um, is very talented. Um, it's hard to watch him go through the stuff he goes through in this movie because. I mean, you can't fake some of this stuff. I mean, there's certain things where you, you'd you hope that they didn't tell him exactly what was happening in the scene, but the kid swung a machete, and he yeah. probably knew that he was what he was his character was swinging a machete at. Uh, the kid had a gun to his head. This is not stuff that you can that, you, that they faked. I mean, this is you know, this is real stuff. Um, Idris Elba's character is probably the most despicable character I've seen in film in at least a couple of years. Um, I thought for a moment I might find some sympathy for him. I don't. I have zero sympathy for him. I do not understand him. Uh, no, I do understand him. And that that makes it even worse. He is pretty much the scummiest scum that there could ever be. 
I understand why he's doing what he's doing, but good God, is he a horrible person? Um, I, th- I mean, I think the Supreme Count is that, is that the Supreme Supreme Commander. Commander. Supreme Commander, he's pretty horrible too. Oh yeah, we no, can get into that. Uh, nope. Uh, Idris's bosses are just as bad, actually worse than Idris. But yeah. Idris is not good. Um, yeah, and I love the. I think my favorite aspect of the movie is the friendship between Agu and Stryka. Like mm-hmm. how that plays out. They don't overdo it. They don't sap it up too much, which is nice. They kind of naturally, over the course of the movie, and the movie I feel like takes place over the course of maybe a, a year or two. It's kind of what it felt like to me. Really, you think so? That long? Yeah, I think so. I wow. think so. Uh, maybe it, maybe it, just a year, but I think there's a decent amount of time here. Um, and we can talk about that because it's it's very nebulous. You don't really get a clear idea of how long it's been. I don't think. I don't think it's ever mentioned. You joined us two months ago. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. none of that. So I don't know. I could be wrong, but I felt like at least at least a year of time. And uh, they give you these you know snapshots over the course of whatever that time period is. And I think they naturally build that relationship and and the the where the place that that relationship eventually goes is um, is very interesting and. And heartbreaking, like most of this movie. <laughs> so, no, I, th- I think you should watch it once as long as you have the stomach for it. Um, but uh, if you don't, don't do not do it. Mm-hmm. It'll upset you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that is a good thing. But uh, I don't want you to be upset. Just donate money to a good cause or something. <laughs> that way you'll be happy. There, there, is, uh, there is kind of a... I can't really talk about it too much without getting into spoilers, but it does have a twinge of hope at the end. I mean, there's. Yeah. It's not a complete like. It's no. not like this world is fucked. Everybody dies. Mm-hmm. Like you know what I mean. Like that's not the that's not the point of this movie. It's not like this world. And I'm thank God. I hate yeah. movies like that. I hate that. Like I don't know. Anyway, I that drives me bonkers when I when I sit through a movie that's emotionally torturous to watch, um, and then at the end. I go, well, what was that for? <laughs> Tell me the world's a shitty place? Thanks. Mm-hmm. I kind of got that figured out. Like, all right. And so this does this. You're right. This does a good job of it not falling into end. that trap. So, and But not even doing like not Danny boiling it, as some would say. No, it's and not like, it, yeah. Making it overly hopeful mm. at the end or anything. like. I think it's a very realistic and It's a good end. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think that's always a bad thing either. Sometimes, no, I, sometimes I want the schmaltz. Sometimes I want it. I mean, you know. Danny Boyle, when I watch uh, spoilers for Slumdog Millionaire, when I watch Slumdog Millionaire, I like to feel good at the end. I like to yeah. feel nice. You know, it's, it, it's right for that movie. This mm-hmm. one it would not be right for. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, uh, yeah, I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is a very difficult movie to watch. It's very powerful. It's kind of illuminating in the sense that it's. I mean, this is a subject matter that I've seen touched on and other things, but it's not really something that I've really taken the time to sit down and think about and to kind of watch. Like, it answered a lot of questions that I would have. Not that, like, if you just hear the fact that there are child soldiers in Africa, you're like, wow. But you kind of, as you watch this movie, you start to understand how they get indoctrinated into the system and why it happens and why they stick around and what they're used for and to kind of learn those answers in what feels like a very extremely well presented and edited and shot, interestingly shot and everything in that fashion. I think it puts a very um, 
I don't really want to say slick, but it, it just presents all of this very difficult subject matter in a very matter of fact way, which I think is what it needs. Um, everybody and it's pretty fantastic. It feels like a very real group of people. There's n- no part of it to me that kind of peeks through the curtains and says, oh, this is a movie. Like it all kind of, you know, like if Idris Elba wasn't in this movie, if there were no recognizable like stars in this movie. And I almost wish there weren't. Yeah. And it's nothing against Idris Elba. He does a great job. I think he does a great job in the role, but it almost kind of like would, it would be kind of uh, transcendent almost in the sense that like, you wouldn't it would be almost as if you're watching a documentary or something like that as opposed to you know a film a film yeah, yeah and, which, and that's yeah and it's a this is a weird example because it's a totally different kind of movie but cannibal holocaust that's why that movie works yeah because you don't know any of these people yeah you know what i mean and, and there you know it's a movie and you would know this is a movie at the end of the day, but there would be that part of you that feels more uncomfortable because would, there's no would, safety net of recognizable actor. And it there's would be no, a little bit more immersive of an experience. Yes. Not that it wasn't immersive, but it would just kind of remove that last defense of like mm-hmm. clinging to At least the, Idris is here. At least Heimdall's here to hang yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I, I think you know, I, I think he does a great job, but it, he almost does it a slight disservice in that sense. It's not his fault, but, but no, it's it's it certainly isn't. Um, and and I I would understand that maybe the, I don't know the financial situation behind the movie, but I'm sure they were like, give me somebody, but get Mandela in here right now. <laughs> He's he, it just is one of the producers too. Okay, and yeah, maybe like that's probably how he found his way in. Yeah, but um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's not. I I, I felt like it was a little bit longer than it needed to be, but that. Could just be my uncomfortability talking. I, I agree. It clocks in at like two seventeen two, or something like yeah, that. They could have turned fifteen minutes off. Mm-hmm. Of it. They could have yeah. been a, sli- a two-hour movie. Yep. Yeah, yep. and and I think that would that would have been enough time to kind of present the case and really explain everything that happened in it. But it, Although a lot of the falling action is is probably about ten to fifteen minutes, and so I kind of forgave it for that. Like it kind of reaches its climax around the two-hour mark, and then you get a little bit of. It gives you a very clean story. Mm-hmm. Part. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, but uh, yeah, I don't know if there's too much more to say outside of spoiler Terry. There are some very, very good long takes in this. Fukunaga continues to flex his muscles there. Any thoughts on the release mechanism? <laughs> you know, it's in, it is interesting. That's part of the reason I wanted. I really wanted to see it. Um, some people think it didn't get a whole lot of attention because it was almost dismissed as like a directed. DVD kind of. I would situation. totally see that. Um, Which sucks. I mean, you know, I, I would, I hope people hear about it. You I know? think. I think if you want a good box office return, you shouldn't release your movie on Netflix. Kind of like I think. Yeah, but you're I, pretty much guaranteeing everyone's going to elect to watch it on the couch. I wonder if there's a way to do this, though. I wonder if there's a way for Netflix to produce a film like this of this quality have it released theatrically that benefits both Netflix and the theater. And I, I, I wonder what that would be. Is it, you release it for a couple weeks in theaters where it's only in theaters and people who have Netflix subscriptions get a discounted ticket. 
Is that an option? Is it? I mean, I don't even necessarily know if it needs to be that. I kind of <laughs> wish that I would have taken the time to go see the movie in the theater because I feel like without the ability to be distracted, I would have it would have resonated more, and that I would have probably not not that I like wasn't paying attention to it, but I would have it would have sunk its teeth in a little bit more if I you know didn't have the dog around or like any you know that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, the um, almighty movie theater <laughs> we shall all bow to her but on but i think there's right you <laughs> they would have the ability they would have the ability to put the movie out for like a month and then just be like and then it's out on netflix like i don't think that's a bad way that's something that's happened before i still think people would say uh, i'll wait i'll wait four weeks and i'll just catch it on netflix that might be the case yeah it might be um i would have but I don't think Netflix is when they're putting. And you're out, a theater guy. I know, <laughs> yeah, but be, yeah, exactly. This movie would have come out, and I would have been like, eh, I don't know if I need to pay ten dollars to go to the theater to see it, you know? It, yeah, but I, I at the same time, I don't think Netflix is necessarily in the game to get box office return. No, yeah, it's very true. I mean, in they the same clearly... sense that they dump all of Daredevil on one day, and there's no ads in it, and whatever, it brings people to their service. Yeah. Whatever they're doing is working. So. Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it works. It's clearly put content in and money comes out. <laughs> I don't know what that black box does, but it's working for them. And I think, I but I still feel as though I think it, I think it would be good in terms of if they would have given the movie the theatrical run that it needed. Maybe the press machine could have gotten behind it. I had no idea this was on Netflix. Like, yeah, I. I I assumed it was at like arts, artsy theaters and stuff. It was I at mean, the main art. Sure, it was. But, I, I but I, it was when mostly... you said it was on Netflix, I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I knew this was a movie that existed. Like, I knew it was happening. Yeah. But yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of. It was at the main art like a month ago. And, okay. And it, and they they uh, it left theaters. But as I said, like AMC and Regal and many other like the big chains, they were like, no, said no because it's a Netflix movie. They're like, we don't want to support this. Which is weird to me. I don't get that. Why is Netflix com- a competition for a movie theater? Honestly, how is it competition for a movie theater? Like, there's still a release gap. There's still plenty of time in between a theatrical release and when it hits Netflix. It could, it could be like, I don't, and you never know what, like, the relationships are between yeah, like, I don't other know. studios and relationships. Uh, and, like, it seems weird to me, though. That, that seems like I don't understand why that's competition. It's not necessarily like movie theaters are competing with video stores, although a lot of people would be like, video stores don't exist anymore. <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> in a lot of the country they don't. I mean, but, television destroyed movies in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. I mean, just a TV with one channel, like, brought Hollywood nearly to its knees. Absolutely, Netflix is a competitor yeah. for that exact reason. You know, what are you going to do on Friday? Do you want to go see a movie, or do you just want to order in and just stay here? I mean, like, come on. That's Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like there's so much Especially hype. with ticket prices doing this. Yeah. Netflix being $8. Yeah. Less than one ticket. And there's a for wealth. A month. Yeah, and there's tons of movies, and especially people our age that say movies today like mostly suck. Oh, look at all these great movies I remember. That's that's true, but at the same time, by not having Beasts of No Nation in theaters, theaters are now making zero dollars off of Beasts of No Nation. They have given Netflix something that only they will have. It's true. Like they're they're completely cutting themselves. I mean, I would out not. I would game. not want to be in that position. 
uh, that, that the movie theaters are in because I see both sides of the coin. Like, yeah, we don't want to support a Netflix product, but you know, if you can't beat them, join them kind of thing. Do you want to take some money away from this? Maybe Netflix was asking for too much in the, in the box office return. Maybe they were like, you give us, it's our, it's our thing. We're going to act as the studio. We're going to take Because movie theaters. Don't make any money as it is. Anyway, they make their money on concessions and, uh, you know that that could have been it. Netflix Maybe. Netflix is probably just being a bully and being like, "Hey, man, we want ninety eight percent of the <laughs> box office off of this hot beast of no nation." And the movie theaters were probably just like, "Yeah, we don't need to, we don't need to bother." That yeah. was the case too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be interesting. I, I mean, it, it, again, it's beast of no nation. I'm sure this was not a hard thing for them to turn down. Movie no. theaters were not like, "Wow, we're going to miss out on a mint because of that." But if like yeah, Netflix like had Star Wars eight, is right? Netflix exactly, only. exactly. Or like Netflix being like, "Hey, we have Daredevil season two. Do you want that in the theater, or so, do you want the pilot of Daredevil season two in the theater?" Like, Fuck yeah, I would go see that. That'd be awesome. That'd be pretty cool. But then, then they'd probably be sweating, going, oh, "Guys, what do we do?" Yeah. But yeah, it was a good, it was a good one for them to go. We don't. Cool. <laughs> yeah, it'll that's be, right. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. Like, what are the other ones that like uh, the Adam Sandler movie? Because uh, he has Shoe that production Man one. The the like ma- the pixels? No, the the magnus Mag- well magnificent seven. Weird. Oh, is that a Netflix film? That's yeah, like a, that's, that's an original. The first of his Netflix. Oh, his deal. deal. Yeah, that's right. So Adam Sandler's still pretty like we don't like to admit it, but he still yeah, he makes still, money. It's true. So somehow it'll be interesting to see what theaters do with that one. But anyway, we're a little bit off topic. We should head into spoiler Terry. Oh, yeah. We haven't even gotten there yet, have we? Yeah, no, we have not. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers. It wasn't in theaters. Uh, so, yeah. We will take a quick break and be right back in spoiler Terry for Beast of Nation. Here we are in spoiler Terry for Beasts of No Nation. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, Strike His Death is really sad. Mm-hmm. It's really sad. And he's like an adorable little dude. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, he does some wicked shit in this movie, but they all do. But yeah, his wicked sounds cool. <laughs> I was like, what, what did he do that was awesome? Well, uh, he. Yeah, no, he didn't do anything awesome. He, I mean, he helps chop a dude up with a machete. It felt so bad for that guy, by the way. Oh, that was horrifying. Yeah. And that's the thing is, this is the second... Like, I think Hollywood's catching on to the fact that when you chop into somebody's head, it doesn't just come off in one yeah. clip. <laughs> this is not the way it works, okay? No. Because this is two movies on this one show where there was like a... Weirdly, grossly realistic decapitation happening here. To be fair, there was also a really terrible one that Kurt Russell did. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> well, especially when you consider that it's a child trying to do it. Like, yeah. I was oh, yeah. like, oh that my God, this mother. is going to be so bad. This kid is not strong, and he's not going to be able to kill this guy in any reasonable time span. No, and the first... I don't even want to... The first blow is like doesn't do much, oh, which is worse than horrifying. it doing... Yeah, that was so well done. I was rough. like that guy pleading for his. Life. I was like, oof. At, you eventually reach a point where you're like, please kill this guy. Yeah, like, hurry up, shoot him in the head. Yeah, yeah. This I've seen a lot of war movies and a lot of this kind of stuff, and like, oof, that was rough. man, that was rough. Yeah, really rough. Um, one thing I wanted to mention is one one thing I liked about the movie a lot was as an adult watching the very 
blatant manipulations that Idris Elba, that the, the commandant has of these kids. And watching him weasel his way into their their belief system yeah. and weasel his way into their morals and, and all of that to shape them into exactly what he needs them to be. It's so hard to watch as an adult because you're like that you, you want to call him on his bullshit. You're like, call this guy on his bullshit. He is so full of it. But they're kids. They're all kids and they they're don't kids. know any better. They don't know any better. They this is a safety net for them. Yeah. This is better than being out there. It's them getting revenge for mm-hmm. That's an that aspect happen, too. Tra- things that happen to their families and like That's an aspect too. It's terrifying. It's, it's brotherhood. It's it's sold as all these things. Um and at the end of the day, they're expendable tools. That's what they are. They are, and you know what's yeah. funny? What I what I love about it is, you see that hierarchy, and you find out that Idris Elba is. You you start to view Idris Elba as this important figure in this re- revolution, and then as soon as you meet his boss, you realize he is as expendable as those kids the, in his troop. The rug gets pulled out. He from is underneath just him as completely. expendable as they are. They yeah. could give zero shits about him, which is almost satisfying, except for the fact that you realize that that means those kids are. Even more meaningless to the yep. bigger machine. Yeah, than it is. For thought. a moment, there you go. Fuck yeah, this guy. I'm I'm loving watching this idiot crumble. Like I'm loving it. And then you go, man, it's gonna ruin these kids though, because he is not gonna take it. He's not. You know right away that he's not the kind of guy that's gonna walk away. Yeah, he's the kind of guy who's gonna put up a fight because, you know, in the same way that they're being fed false promises and they're being fed this bullshit from Idris Elba, he's being fed the same bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know, he's being made promises of, oh, you're going to get promoted and you're going to be a general. And it's never going to happen. Yeah. Never going to happen. That was interesting. Um, and I I liked watching him kind of descend into madness a little bit, too, and just not letting go of it. Like, th- you know, he just keeps fighting. And there's, I mean, it gets to the point where they, they cut to the scene that clearly takes place some time later, a little bit later. Uh, it's the scene with, where they're walking through the trenches with mm. the red water. Mm-hmm. Which is really cool looking. Holy smokes! Mm-hmm. Um, and most of them are dead. There's dead bodies all over the place. I mean, it's and he's still fighting. And you know what my favorite part about the commandant character is, or least favorite part maybe, he doesn't touch a gun until like the last bit of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Not once does he hold a gun to anybody. Yeah. Not once. Doesn't I remember thinking hold a that. weapon. I was like, doesn't man, hold anything. This guy just walks at the front of the line. He's like, I got my army of kids to shoot at you. And, see, and that's the thing is, it's it's. It makes him, on the surface, it makes him look like a badass. Mm-hmm. But when you really think about it, you go, this guy's a, kind of a pussy. Like, he really he's is. A like, he's a coward. Like, he has a. Hiding he has, behind children. He, he has child meat shields all over him. Yeah. And so, he why pick up a gun? That's beneath him at this point. You know what I mean? I'm sure he's done things to get where he's at. I'm sure he had to get his hands dirty. Yeah, I don't know if he's a pussy. <laughs> no, no, he's not a pussy, but, <laughs> but he's. But he. Yeah, he's. It makes you more angry at him because he's telling them, he's feeding them to whoever they're fighting and he's just standing behind in his, you know, Hawaiian shirt, just hanging out, mm-hmm. you know, like not a care in the world kind of thing. And it drives you, I drove me nuts as a viewer. I was like, God, I hate this guy. Well, and so you see much. that on, uh, one of my favorite scenes of the movie that really stood out to me was when they're, uh, in the battle to take the bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, and the battle's pretty much won. And that's when he decides to like walk out onto the front line and it was a cool moment. I was like, man, he's just walking like towards people firing, and they're like retreating fire. And I was like, he looks pretty cool right now. And he's like, just. But then you see the look on Two IC's face, where he's like, oh, now you show up. Yeah. Now yep. that we're done, and all these kids are dead, and now yep. you're gonna walk up and take all the glory and act and like cool he's and, yeah. and hype up the crowd. Yeah. 
That scene was really good, though. I loved that it. Whole the music was, was really amazing. Good. All the camera work was amazing, and it was very Thin Red Line, and I, I super dug that. Uh, there was another scene very similar that was... Uh, when they're tripping on the drugs, and the trees get all crazy and purple. Oh, that was cool. Uh, that was cool. I saw that in the trailer, and I went, hold, what the fuck is that? There was <laughs> another scene like that. Yeah, the, the scene where, uh, where they're taking the... Um, that that uh, attack on that city, on that village, when it it's pretty much Agu is just on the other side of the gun now. It's pretty much what happened to his village, yeah. and oh, that, totally that whole sequence was really intense. I love the scene, the really the climax, well, the end of the relationship between the commandant and Agu. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the range that Idris Elba hits over the course that him. He's ang- he goes through like every stage of grief. Yeah. Like in like one scene, he's angry, and then he's like, "I love the the best moment though is he turns around and he continues talking to Agu, and he's like, but 'But you're gonna stay by me.' And as soon as he turns around, the kid's gone. Like, yeah. You see that look you, on bro. his face. Yeah, he's done. That's it. Yeah. Like, yeah. One of the one of the worst, saddest things about the movie is you don't even you never really know who the bad guys are. Like they. Agu, from his perspective, he's just roped in with people and they tell him, hey, we're going to get revenge on those people. But he might be working with, you know, it's people that are, I know there's just tons of those factions and people who think they they can lay claim to whatever. But, you know, he it's hard to tell where his group even ranked in the hierarchy of like how bad are, are these people? You know what I mean? Are they good guys? Like, are they actually is, is the Supreme Commander? Uh, do his ends justify his means? No. But is his ultimate goal like a good thing? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe it is. Probably not. <laughs> but maybe it is. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. He's using children to fight his war. Exactly. And, and that's, that's the thing. It's funny when the United Nations rolls up and you're like, oh my God, good guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. People that just want to have peace and like get children out of there. And it's when you see them being separated from the adults and like, you guys are going to get tried for war crimes. You guys get in this pickup truck, and we're going to try to fix you if yeah. we can. I was like, "That's pretty amazing." I think that some of that is just that there isn't even necessarily like a good and bad. Like even the people mm-hmm. that are necessarily in power, maybe fighting against the rebels, quote unquote, may not necessarily be good, and maybe the rebels don't necessarily. Like it's never. I think a lot of those situations, as, as somebody who knows literally nothing about any of that, I think it's hard to to paint it in a binary fashion but i think it's smart though because i think you're just as the viewer you're just as confused and constantly questioning things as as the kids absolutely i love that it was the way to do it great um one thing real quick i wanted to to mention um the the kind of the the end of the movie the actual end when when um i forgot i I can't remember what his name is the one who's going to become kind of the new second in command preacher preacher thank you thank you preacher kind of losing it and just, I mean, starting a riot on this yeah. for no reason, really. I mean, there's no, there, the it's uh, he just drank the too late Kool Aid yeah, too long. It. He yeah. can't quit it. That's that's his life, and it's so it, that that's really heartbreaking too. That's it's rough because you actually kind of think, even before he walks away from Idris, he's one of the guys in the group that you kind of well, you recognize him as a character, and I always got the vibe that he was a little well, not smarter, but. A little more savvy and a little more quick I, to figure things out. Than some I of the thought other kids. so until there were battles because he was one shirtless with a machine gun just screaming, and I was like, <laughs> he he got the blood red mist in his eyes, and like he he had the war fever for sure. How about tripod? 
That guy's a maniac. Which one was the one who's in like uh, like the tiniest pair of underwear, the <laughs> grown man, and like he's in like a speedo, and he's running around with machine guns screaming. Yeah, I don't remember him that well. He was insane. Yeah. Oh, okay. So the scene when uh, in that scene when they take the village and then they go upstairs and there's that long take that goes all the way upstairs and goes through the house and then follows Agu around and he thinks he finds his mom and then it follows him out to the doorway. And then it settles on him as he's like just sitting there reacting to it. And then you see the guy raping the woman and Agu just blows her brains out. I was like, oh my God, is this ever effective? Like, man, that that shot. I don't want to say it's cool like in the true detective way, yeah. but it is a cool shot. It's a very cool sequence. It's done really well. Mm-hmm. It is. And ending on that uh, of Agu jumping up to the to the window and then booming up to see like the chaos on the streets. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, this is masterful. Mm-hmm. It's really, really it good. It is so well done and so effective and uh, just draws you right in like you're in the moment. That was such a great scene. I think we'd be remiss not to at least mention... I, I mean, the moment when I completely like give up on having a chance of feeling sympathy for the commandant. Oh yeah. I mean, we should probably mention it. <laughs> um, I mean, there, there's there is like legitimate sexual abuse going on with this this yeah. group of of people, and I did not expect that. I well, they foreshadow didn't. it. You see it earlier on. Do you? I see. And I did, I must have not caught that because I. Yeah, Agu when he's down with all the younger kids, it might be like one of his first days there. It's early on. Okay. You see, uh, the commandant like take a little boy into like his hut. See, and I he, I must have missed that. He like just goes in with him, and it's very like shady the way it looks, and Agu okay. kind of reacts to it like, "What's going on there?" Right away, I went, "Oh no." See, I didn't. I I must have missed that bit. Um, it's pr- must be pretty quick then. It's yeah okay. Yeah, Maybe pretty, I got up to get a drink or it's something. Pretty fleeting, but, but it's pretty. Uh, it's that rough. alone. I was like, that's gross. But I didn't think it was going to happen to Agu. And when it does, you're like, oh god, it it's horrible. And then uh, Striker comes and consoles him. You're like, okay, so it probably happened to Striker too. Yeah. And like all these boys have been through it, and you get the vibe that a lot of them have been have been there. It that's yeah, it's really I didn't sad. expect that for whatever reason. I really didn't. I I don't know why. Like out of everything in the movie, that that was one of the most affecting. Well, things. I think it's all these all these guys talk about being men and they talk about how they're big bad men fighting the good fight and you know he makes jokes about the women are so beautiful and all like that's like manly right. shit that's people in the army do but doing that is not being a man that's well no absolutely not. that's disgusting and, and it's to me it, that's a it's i mean it's when you hear about you know uh, pedophilia and stuff like that it's a power play it's not about right it's it's a you know having power over somebody and that's that's oh god it's so awful yeah i'm glad they aren't overly no, yeah, thank God. I mean, I mean, obviously they're not, you know, but I'm glad they weren't too blatant about. I mean, you know what happens; it's done. You can see it all on the kid's face, and and that's enough. It's handled, considering the subject matter, it's handled tastefully, I guess, as tastefully as it can be. Mm-hmm. But um, it's it was effective. That yeah. I, for whatever reason I did not see that and like happening, and it just uh, uh, messed me up. One thing I really loved. One of the last little thing was the Agu's final. Uh, like mental monologue he has when the therapist is trying to talk to him mm-hmm. and he says, she's, you know, talking to me like I'm like, I'm a little boy and that he goes, but I am, I don't remember how he describes himself. He says, but she is the little girl, like in, in the ways of the world. Yeah. And like in that, in that, in the look in Agu's eye and his face and everything, I was like, yeah, this kid is hard. This kid has, seen more and experienced more than any of these people probably will in their lifetime. And he is, mm-hmm. but for all intents and purposes, he is a man. And 
that was really it was very well written and very well recited by the actor and just a look on his in his eye and uh the whole ending of like i don't want to talk about it because you know i don't want you to have to think about it and i don't want to think about it and while i understand that that's that's like that's just the coping mechanism and that ultimately it would be good for him to talk about it and get it out into the world and have somebody try to help him and he'll come around. I think he will eventually. Mm-hmm. Like it's a very cool, it's a cool notion to end the movie that he's just going to seal up and be like, I'm going to put it behind me. I'm going to dust myself off and I want to, I, I want to be happy in this life. Oh, and I love that, 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 that line. he makes that decision and he, when he runs out in the water at the end. Yeah. yeah. That's very important. I mean, that's, I, I think he'll, he'll come around though and he'll, he'll eventually, uh, submit to to some therapy and uh and and become better and probably eventually because he got the vibe that the pastor the the father luke or whatever his name was that was there was a, used to be a child soldier as well because he was like i've been there like he told him like I, I know where you've been and you can open up to me um yeah it's uh the ending is a lot like the ending of 400 blows actually which is pretty cool down mm-hmm. to like him running in the water and everything mm-hmm. i thought that was interesting because at the end of 400 blows they send him to to like an orphanage for like troubled boys and uh kind of interesting but it's a it's a good ending it's very um it all it actually kind of weirdly reminded me of danny boyle which is funny that you said that danny boiled it up which i've never heard before uh but it is interesting he does tend to movie end his movies on this note of hope uh, yeah but it, it did have this nice and there's obviously symbolically something about water being cleansing and purifying and you know that was good too but he that kid is just very good and he in those final moments of the movie he oh. really sold me on i was like man I, I I I hope for Agu that, he's, yeah. that he makes it out the other side. Yeah. I see Oscar nom potential. Oh, I think so. That is a. I mean that that's Oscar candy right I, there. Which is, but I think would be very crazy that a Netflix film, they're one of their first. Oh, I think it'd be great thing. for Netflix. Although I don't, I don't think I think it was kind of acquired by by Netflix. It wasn't necessarily. <clears throat> it was a project that they, I think they heard about probably at and, some point, and they picked up. But it's a, it's a very strong play <clears throat> for Netflix. So. But I think Fukunaga is worthy of receiving a totally. nomination. I think uh, the kid who plays Agu is for sure. Mm-hmm. I I think those would be the two, uh, you know, the two bigger awards that this one would be deserving of at least a nomination for. Maybe that's why they put it in theaters. Technically, it had a theater theatrical had run. Theatrical run to qualify. Might be the it. case. Yeah. So, um, what else did I want to say? I did want to say, not that it's necessarily needed to be said here. This movie gave me some appreciation for Metal Gear Solid Five, in addition as well, because it's weirdly like the child soldier thing is weirdly kind of one of the legitimate themes that kojima touches on in that game that i feel like he hits a lot of similar notes that this movie does Mm. and a lot of it is optional and things that you can listen to and like side tapes and stuff in the game but they've they share some some similarities in the things that they talk about and how these kids sometimes these kids feel like they were meant for war and they just want to go back to that even if you try to remove them from it but should we still try to help them and like how can we do that it's Interesting that he tackled that with the game, and 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 this movie kind of legitimized that for me. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I guess I didn't have too much to say in spoiler here, But it's very sad that Fukunaga is not directing it anymore. Not that this movie is anything like it, but 
That well, if it was breaks, a choice between it and the alienist, I'm 100% the alienist. He's, <laughs> he is perfect for it. Well, yeah, I'm very bummed about that. It, I, I am too, yeah. Because there are not enough directors of this caliber that are working the horror That's field. the thing, yeah. Like it, it's one of those things where I think Fukunaga has become one of those names where we're going to be like... I'm, just, I'm glad he walked to... away, though, because it sounds like everything they oh, wanted... Oh, no, he... Ab- the, the, totally it's, justified. It's the studio's faults that, this is, that stuff like this yeah. is happening. And I, I don't blame him. Hopefully I would, they're like crying at the fact they're not but no because they're gonna get whatever i'm not even gonna get into it yeah, he wa- i remember there was the he wanted two movies right two yep. films and he wanted them to be hard r adult and he wanted a grown-up to play pennywise right and the studio so. for some weird reason was like oh, this no i think he was cool with with uh from what i understand he was cool with will poulter really oh yeah i, I think he i think that there were some spins he wanted to put on it i'm not 100 percent sure about this but he had, i remember him being interviewed and talking about how they were going to do their own scares they were going to do some of their own they weren't going to rob from the book in that in terms of that he wanted to do things that would be more psychologically scaring than just like boo mummy oh, you know mm-hmm. what i mean and i think that was part of it was having pennywise appear as a child at least sometimes a kid their age is in a lot of ways would be scarier than an adult That's interesting you know, so I don't, I don't know. Regardless, he's off of it, which is which is really a big shame. I mean, it's it's too bad. Um, Sad for it, but I don't know. I I just want to see more. I'm the horror guy, so that's yeah, no. that's what bums me out. Is it's like this guy could Dude, direct if he, if he was making the stand. If he could direct uh, Fukunaga. Do a horror movie, please, please, yeah. please, please, please. Well, uh, you please. know, make the Alienist first. Because That's fine. Do it's what about, you're doing it's now. about a serial killer. So, but make a horror movie after that. Mm-hmm. He I could don't care end if it's up Cujo. in the Stephen King. Apparently, McConaughey's circling Roland again. And well, he might not be, be like, circling Roland. He might be circling another. No, character. he's not circling Roland. I think he's he's circling the Walter O'Dim. Yes, mm-hmm. that, that's what the reports have been saying. Sorry, he would be an awful Roland. I don't. He would I be, only, be terrible. Yeah. I only read yep. headlines. He'd be a perfect uh, Randall Flag though. John Hamm is well. They said, they said he turned down Randall Flagg in The Stand, but now he's basically circling Randall Flagg in The Dark Tower. It's the same character. It is, and he should play both in both movies, and they <laughs> should do a shared universe. <laughs> it would be sweet, especially in a time when I can't all think of any more are... role. The Stephen King's cinematic universe. No, honestly, dude, it's, it should happen. It Boom. should happen. It's not even a joke. His books <laughs> do it. Honestly, they should do a set of movies like the Dairy movies, where they're all the books that take place in Dairy Maine and have small links to them. I can't think of any role more Matthew McConaughey than Randall Flagg, though. Oh, like, it's, it's perfect. Per- it's it's Perfect. So perfect. He is Randall Flagg. Yeah. Like you look at him, you're like Jesus Christ. That's Randall Flagg. <laughs> Other than preacher, he would have been a good preacher. He does not have Dylan remember his frailty. Though. Like that's Randall Flagg in some spots. Like his his kind of sweaty. Like he's like, got to be grimy, but he's got to have some swagger exactly. to him. You've got to like it's him. Like his role in frailty, but not know why. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> he, he should be Randall Flagg. Just some, like just with like a jean jacket on and a Ugh. smoke hanging out of the corner of his mouth. White snake patch on the Abs- back. Yes. Please do it. I, you can know, of hams in one hand. <laughs> absolutely, you drink hams. Watch, watch uh, McConaughey's stirring performance in uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre: The Next Generation. It stars Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger in their first movies, um, and Matthew McConaughey is insane, and it's great. You should watch it. Do that. Do that. Let us know what you think. Feedback at midwestfilmnerds.com. Yes. Also on Instagram and Twitter at MFN Podcast. Find us on Facebook and Vine under Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. Go to MidwestFilmNerds.com for all of our previous 152 plus bonus episodes with full show notes so you can skip over things like spoiler Terry and other stuff that you don't want to hear. Um, next week, don't know what we're doing. You're going to find out at some point. Russell Primetime. 
Yeah, Russell Prime time. Uh, Russell Prime the, time. This is the final episode of the Midwest Film News podcast. From here on out, we are now known as the Russell Prime time. Russell Prime time. <laughs> I gotta buy that domain before I publish this. Dot, <laughs> dot Poor Kurt Russell does. Dot, dot accountants. <laughs> yeah, those are pricey. It's not. It's It'll not, pay off. Yeah. It'll pay off. Russell Prime time. Dot accountants. Dot accountants. <laughs> oh man, maybe I can get Russell. It's Prime. probably taken by his accountants. <laughs> maybe I can get Russell Prime dot time. That might be a thing. Anyway, mm-hmm. Alex, want to go watch a movie? <laughs>